Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. Search To Die For in your podcast app to follow the show. Today is Friday, October 30th, 2020. On this day in 1831, Nat Turner was apprehended in Southampton County, Virginia, weeks after leading the bloodiest slave uprising in U.S. history. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the capture of Nat Turner, an enslaved preacher who led an uprising that resulted in the deaths of over 50 Virginians. The revolt sparked retaliatory violence from the white establishment, who then killed scores of black men and women in the aftermath. Let's go back to October 30th, 1831, to a quiet farm in Southampton County, Virginia. Thirty-one-year-old Nat Turner had been on the run for over nine weeks, moving across the county in total secrecy. All he could focus on was staying a step ahead of the authorities and militia hunting him. His final hiding place was a makeshift cave he appeared to have dug with his sword. The top of a fallen tree concealed the opening, affording the wanted man some measure of cover, but it wouldn't last for long. The particulars surrounding Turner's capture are contested, so we'll offer both versions. In the more prominent story, a man named Benjamin Phipps was wandering through the woods on a farm when he noticed the branches of a fallen tree moving slightly. It wasn't a windy day, so Phipps was sure someone was hidden behind the brush. He raised his rifle, cocked it, and ordered whoever was inside to come out. Moments later, Nat Turner pushed his way through the branches, looking wretched. He was emaciated, dirty, and his clothes were ragged, understandable given his time on the lam. Turner held up his hands in surrender. When Phipps ordered him to lay down his weapon, Turner threw his sword at his feet. Then he lay down on the ground and allowed his captor to tie his hands. It was over. Though this is the widely accepted form of events, it's also suggested that Benjamin Phipps wasn't the one to initially find Turner's hiding place. It was actually two other enslaved individuals who discovered Turner with the help of a dog and reported their find to Phipps. Whatever the truth, it was Phipps who received credit for the capture. He took Turner to the nearby town of Jerusalem, today known as Cortland. There, Turner was jailed to await trial for his role in the uprising two months earlier. The newspaper, the Petersburg Intelligencer, reported that the locals of Southampton County were to be commended for their restraint in not attacking Turner as soon as he was in custody. 
The same article also revealed that as the sole person responsible for capturing Turner, Benjamin Phipps would receive rewards totaling around $1,100, which today would be close to $33,000. Following his arrest, Turner answered questions about the uprising and reportedly gave a confession of his guilt to Thomas R. Gray. It should be noted that this account came from Gray, a white lawyer and former slave owner who most likely had a particular interest in quashing any future rebellions. With that in mind, it seems likely Turner's confession was exaggerated. Either way, Turner's fate was sealed. A week later, he was sentenced to death. On November 11th, less than two weeks after he was apprehended, 31-year-old Nate Turner was hanged. Following his execution, Turner's body was reportedly drawn and quartered. It's likely that by defiling his body in this way, authorities hoped to avoid giving Turner the status of martyrdom. But despite their efforts, the legacy of Nat Turner lives on. Coming up, the slave uprising of 1831 and the complicated legacy Nat Turner left behind. Listeners, here's a new show I can't wait for you to check out. When it comes to love, every story is unique. Some play out like fairy tales, seemingly meant to be. Others defy the odds to achieve happily ever after. In Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast, you'll discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Every Tuesday, Our Love Story celebrates the ups, downs, and pivotal moments that turn complete strangers into perfect pairs. Each episode offers an intimate glimpse inside a real-life romance, with couples recounting the highlights and hardships that define their love. Whether it's a chance encounter, a former friendship, or even a former enemy, our love story proves that love can begin and blossom in the most unexpected ways. Follow Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Now back to the story. On October 30th, 1831, Nat Turner was finally apprehended after over nine weeks on the run. He was soon convicted for his role in a violent slave uprising and hanged on November 11th. It marked the end of an extraordinary life. 31 years earlier, he was born with several distinct markings on his chest, which Turner's family believed meant he was destined to be a prophet. He was an intelligent child and quickly learned to read from one of his master's sons, though this was highly discouraged at the time. As he grew up, Turner drew comfort from the Bible and looked to its pages to understand his purpose. Eventually, his natural way with words and his faith led him to become known as a respected preacher in his community. Over a period of several years, Turner reportedly experienced what he believed to be visions from God, instructing him to lead his people in an uprising. When a solar eclipse occurred in February of 1831, he took it as a sign that the time was near and began planning an insurrection in earnest. 
He labored over local and county maps, planning routes and figuring out how best to enter the homes of slave owners to take them by surprise. Later that year, on August 21st, Turner gathered together a group of fellow conspirators and led them in a violent revolt against the white slave owners in Southampton County. Wielding knives, swords, and hatchets, the growing group moved from home to home, killing the white inhabitants inside. As they went, they recruited more people to join them and stocked up on weapons and ammunition. By the time the night was over, they'd slain over 50 adults and children, beginning with Turner's owners, the Travis family. When news of the uprising spread through the county, armed resistance consisting of the state militia and local groups of white men arrived to fight back. Turner and his band of followers were cut off before they could reach the armory at Jerusalem, and a bloody skirmish ensued. During the battle, Turner escaped into the woods and hid until his capture two months later. Meanwhile, black men and women were being hunted down and slaughtered. Whether they were enslaved or free didn't matter to the angry militias, nor did they care who was actually involved in the uprising. To them, it wasn't about ensuring safety, it was about revenge, about instilling fear into the oppressed and squashing future revolts before the idea took hold in the next Nat Turner. They killed dozens of black adults and children during their bloody rampage. In the centuries since his execution, the legacy of Nat Turner has been hotly debated. To many, he stands as an example of an oppressed individual fighting for the rights of his people. He's an icon representing the rejection of white oppression. To others, Turner's legacy is one of indiscriminate violence. But this view ignores the horrific violence and inhumane treatment enslaved men and women were subject to before and after the uprising. Violence, some say, is never the answer, but sometimes it's the only option you can see. In 2004, historian Scott French suggested that Nat Turner's story lives because it's relevant today to questions of how to organize for change. Almost 200 years after his death, the entrenched racism of the United States remains. Though slavery was ended, its echoes still linger in a country still grappling with its past, present, and future. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Joel Callen, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
Don't forget to check out Our Love Story, the newest Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, discover the many pathways to love, as told by the actual couples who found them. Listen to Our Love Story free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.